This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Wednesday, August 26, 2020. On this day in 2009, J.C. Lee Dugard reappeared at a parole office in Concord, California. She had been missing for 18 years. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson, and today I'm joined by our guest host, Molly Brandenburg. Hi, everyone, and thanks for having me, Vanessa. You might know Molly from ParCast original Conspiracy Theories. She's here to discuss some of the historical aspects of today's story, while I'll cover the narrative. Due to the nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Today's episode contains references to pedophilia. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Now let's go back to the morning of August 26th as Philip Garrido arrived at the parole office. The car pulled up in front of the building and five figures emerged. Philip Garrido and his wife Nancy led the group as they marched toward the building. Alongside them walked one 29-year-old woman and two adolescent girls. The party entered the building where they greeted Philip's parole officer. The man was shocked. Minors were apparently not allowed in the parole office. The officer recommended that Nancy Garrido and the other girls come with him around back. As he led them away, the 29-year-old woman looked to Philip, eyes questioning. Philip winked at her. When asked who she was, the 29-year-old introduced herself as Alyssa. She claimed she was from out of town, having fled from her abusive husband in Minnesota. The teenagers were her children, and the Garritos had been kind enough to offer them a place to stay. The officer asked if she knew that Philip was a convicted sex offender who was on parole after serving time for sexual assault and drug abuse. She claimed that she was aware of this, but told the officer that Mr. Garrido was a changed man. She even claimed he was good with her kids. After interviewing her for 20 minutes, the officer told her that she was good to go. He handed her his business card. Alyssa, Nancy, and the children departed. The four of them waited quietly in the car for Philip to return from his questioning. Alyssa asked Nancy if she did all right. In Alyssa's words, Nancy was strangely quiet. She didn't understand why Philip had brought us all in the first place. Moments later, two parole agents emerged and went straight for the car. One of them was the man who had questioned Alyssa earlier. He told everyone to get out and sit on the curb. Everyone except for Alyssa. He wanted to talk to her. 
In the car, he accused Alyssa of lying to him, saying that she wasn't the mother of those kids. Alyssa protested, I gave birth to both of those girls and that makes me their mother. The parole agent responded by saying that Philip claimed they were his brother's kids. Alyssa didn't know what to say. She doubled down on her story, insisting that she had told the truth. The officers called Child Protective Services and Alyssa was separated from her children. By the time a new officer came to interrogate her, this time a female officer, Alyssa was distraught. The officer started by assuring Alyssa that the children were safe and that she would get to see them again, but Alyssa still did not cooperate. The officer left and then returned a short while later. She said that Philip Garrido had confessed to kidnapping Alyssa years ago. She asked how old Alyssa was when she was kidnapped. Alyssa would later write, I felt like I had just been waiting for the right question, and I said I was 11. She was shocked. She asked for my name again. I said I couldn't say it. I wasn't trying to be difficult. I told her I haven't said it in 18 years. I told her I would write it down. The officer gave her a paper and she wrote with shaking hands, J.C. Lee Dugard. J.C. said that writing her name down was like breaking an evil spell. Suddenly, she felt free free from any obligation to defend the couple that had acted as her jailers for years, free to see her mother again. They called her mother at work. Afterward, JC didn't remember the exact words she said to her mother after 18 years of separation. All JC could recall saying to her mother was, come quick, and she did. We'll dive into the aftermath of J.C. Lee Dugard's kidnapping after this. Hi, listeners. Here's a series I think you're really going to like. We all know that medical professionals are trained to give exceptional care. But what about those who use their skills not to heal, but hurt? In the new ParCast series, Medical Murders, you'll discover a disturbing diagnosis that not every doctor wants to extend your life. Every Wednesday, Medical Murders introduces you to the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead used their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Join host Alastair Murden as he examines the formative years and motives of history's most infamous killers. Dissecting their medical backgrounds with expert analysis and professional insight provided by practicing MD, Dr. David Kipper. You'll investigate a wide range of heinous healthcare workers, like the general practitioner believed to be the most prolific serial killer in modern history, or the dentist who led a double life as a hitman, or even the doctor and gang member who mixed deadly potions for unhappy housewives to use on their husbands. When it comes to these true crime stories, the only thing the doctor ordered is murder. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, 
the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On August 26, 2009, after 18 years, J.C. Lee Dugard resurfaced at a Concord, California parole office. When questioned, she repeatedly insisted that her name was Alyssa, a distant relative of Philip Garrido. But when she learned Garrido had confessed to kidnapping and sexually assaulting her, she admitted her true identity. J.C. was promptly reunited with her mother, Terry Probin, and her half-sister, Shayna. She introduced her old family to her new one, two daughters born while she was still a teenage prisoner of the Garritos. After almost two decades of being unable to even use her real name, it seemed like the horrors of her captivity were finally behind her. My guest host, Molly, will take over to discuss the circumstances of Dugard's captivity. Thanks, Vanessa. J.C. Lee Dugard had been a prisoner in Philip Garrido's home for 18 years, from June of 1991 to August of 2009. She lived in a shed in their backyard, which had been soundproofed so no one could hear her screams. Garrido was a convicted sex offender and was out on parole at the time that he kidnapped Dugard. During her captivity, he even went back to jail for failing to take a drug test, when Philip was gone, his wife, Nancy, looked after their prisoner. In 1994, after three years of living as a captive, J.C. gave birth to her first child at age 14. She knew very little about pregnancy and childbirth. All she had learned was from the television the Garritos let her have. She gave birth to a second child in 1997. At the age of 17, with a fifth grade education, she resolved to raise and teach her children as best she could. Manipulated, confused, and alone, J.C. did not know just how many times she came close to being rescued. Philip Garrido was still on parole and was supposed to be watched closely by the parole office as a high-risk offender. However, he was mislabeled as low-risk. Garrido had been fitted with a GPS monitor so officials could keep track of his whereabouts. However, during this time, they ignored 355 alerts from this device, sent out every time the GPS lost a signal. Parole office representatives claimed that they ignored these alerts due to the relative remoteness of Garrido's house. The same device showed how much time Garrido was spending in his backyard, by the shed where J.C. Dugard was held as a prisoner. Neighbors even occasionally caught sight of the prisoners and attempted to alert the proper authorities. In 1991, a neighbor reported seeing a blonde girl in the backyard, and in 2006, another neighbor called 911 to report children doing some backyard camping. An officer showed up, gave Garrido a stern warning at his front door, and left after 30 minutes. 
just like he would three years later, Garrido had claimed that the children belonged to his brother. Between 1999 and 2009, Philip Garrido was visited at least 60 times by parole officers, none of whom reported anything or checked out the backyard. In 2010, a year after JC had returned to her family, it came to light that at least three of these officers had direct contact with JC during visits, but failed to investigate her relationship to Garrido. In her memoir, A Stolen Life, J.C. Dugard admits to have been effectively manipulated by her kidnappers into wanting their approval. She would never have run away on her own because freedom didn't seem possible. And it would not have been if not for two campus police officers at UC Berkeley. A self-styled evangelist, Garrido had brought J.C.'s two daughters to a campus event. Lisa Campbell noticed the children looked sullen and withdrawn, and Officer Ali Jacobs ran a background check that eventually turned up Garrido's record. Jacobs notified the parole board, and when his parole officer claimed that Garrido didn't have any daughters, they only grew more suspicious. And on August 26th, authorities' suspicions were validated when Garrido reported to the parole office along with Nancy and their three captives. Today, both Philip and Nancy Garrido are still in prison. Philip was sentenced to 431 years, and Nancy received a sentence of 36 years to life. J.C. Lee Dugard received a $20 million settlement from the state of California for their mismanagement of her case. She sued the United States government as well, with less success. She also authored two books about her experience and life afterward. Ever since then, she has spoken about her survival openly and campaigned against the use of the term Stockholm Syndrome, which was frequently used by journalists to describe her behavior on August 26th. Her final words on the subject were, I adapted to survive my circumstances. There's just no other way to put it. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Thanks again, Molly, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. You can find my podcast, Conspiracy Theories, on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on J.C. Lee Dugard's harrowing story, check out the full-length episodes on Hostage. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. 
Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Teamstra, with writing assistance by Nora Battelle, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Vanessa Richardson. Killer nurses, deranged doctors, mad scientists. Don't forget to check out the new ParCast original series, Medical Murders. Every Wednesday, meet the worst the medical community has to offer. Men and women who took an oath to save lives, but instead use their expertise to develop more sinister specialties. Follow Medical Murders free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.